so glad to be here. Today we're carrying on with our, our, our series of Elijah, um, which is called I Hear the Sound. Everybody say, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Of the abundance of rain. Okay. If you were here last week, it was really the very centre of the, of the whole series. And it's about the time when the drain, the drain, the drought was over. We say the drought is over. Okay. That's just to catch us up. If you weren't here last week, you really need to listen to the download. Um, that was a, a particularly powerful time. I believe that today's a day of freedom in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Today's a day. You know the Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. Galatians 5.1, stand firm, stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. I love that's a past tense scripture. I love it. So we're not trying to get free. We're standing fast in the freedom that's been provided for the last 2,000 years. Can I hear an amen this morning? Now, apparently this is the better service. Amen? amen. You're the better good-looking people. Look at someone saying, you good-looking thing. Yeah. So we're going to get straight into this today. That's what my wife does every morning. She wakes up, wipes the sleep out of her eyes, looks over at me and goes, uh-uh, you good-looking thing. As she looks in the mirror. Anyway, let's move him right along. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Just a little bit of background here. We've just had the heavens opened. We've just had the downpour of rain because Elijah made it happen. He prayed. He believed. He wouldn't give up. He kept sending his servant, servants and then his servant came back the seventh time and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And, and Elijah exploded. He said, right, that's it. Go tell Ahab, get in your chariot. Start going before the rain stops you. Because the Bible says that the clouds came, the sky was filled with black clouds, it says in the Word of God, and there was a heavy rain. How many of you know this is what he'd been waiting for? This is it. The moment God said there'd been a drought for three and a half years. This was the moment of freedom. This is it. My dream's fulfilled. This is my breakthrough. I'm dancing in the rain. This is it. This is what he's been waiting for. The moment of breakthrough. And this is where we pick it up. The hand of God has come upon Elijah. He's run faster than his enemy. He's out there in front. He knows who he is. We just sang it earlier. I am blessed. I am healed. I am saved. I'm highly favoured. He was singing the song. He was dancing the dance. Now let's pick it up. The next verse. Okay, the next verse. Everybody say the next verse. Okay. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. And how he has killed all the prophets with the sword. Isn't it interesting? Your enemy never has any good news. He could have said, it's raining. The drought's over. But your enemy cannot see the blessing of God, even when it stares him in the face. You know what? The world is always full of bad news. Always full of stuff that wants to bring you down instead of set your eyes on things above. So he told his wife of all the stuff that Elijah had done, killed all the prophets, 850 prophets, fire had fallen, and now there's a flood of God's rain. So uh, in verse 2, Jezebel sent to Elijah and said, May the gods, can I just say that small g and plural? So you know there's something wrong. <laughs> there's only one God with a big G. Now may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. Can I just say that's all religion knows what to do. It only knows how to deal with people severely. 
doesn't understand the grace of God and the goodness of God. We've been singing today about how good God is. If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. She said, in the next 24 hours, I'm going to kill you. That's what she says. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. What? The man of victory? The man of faith and power? The one who just prayed and fire fell and dealt with all the prophets, the false prophets of Baal and dealt with the prophets of Asherah and fire had fallen and God had shown himself strong? He's like, this is it. I'm turning the nation back to God. This is what it's all about. Surely, surely that's all they need. They just need the sign. They just need the wonder. The rain is falling. It's because I prayed. Surely this is going to turn everything around. And yet one word from his enemy, one word from this incredibly controlling person was enough to make the word of God say Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Can I just say one second in the desert is too much? Hello? He went there for a whole day and he came to a bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, just like my ancestors. Nothing's changed. They couldn't change it, I can't change it. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Today, I want to speak to us today about being free from your enemy. Today's a day of freedom. Today's a day when people are going to leave this place a different way than the way they came in this morning. In Jesus' name, can I hear an amen? See, here is Elijah. He'd been running ahead of his enemy. And he'd been running towards his enemy. He was going to Jezreel. That's where Ahab lived with Jezebel. Now, for those of us who perhaps know our Bible a little bit, that name is synonymous with bad news. Jezebel. It sounds bad, doesn't it? If you have a child, please don't name your child Jezebel. Or Jezza anything. All right? Just, just, just leave that one well alone. Um, she's bad news. And yet here he is. He'd been running towards his enemy. And yet within just a few minutes, he's running away from his enemy. Today I want to talk about the spirit of uh, Jezebel. This is the Jezebel spirit. Now, if you've been around church for a long time, especially one sort of end of the spectrum of the church, the more sort of deliverance, Pentecostal end of the church, then I'm sure you would have heard something about the spirit of Jezebel. Now, some of it is extreme and just, you know, superstition and just goes into the extremes of just craziness. But today I want to talk about what the spirit of Jezebel is all about. We're going to identify it, and then we're going to deal with it in Jesus' name. This is the Jezebel spirit. If we turn into the end of the Bible, which is the second chapter of Revelation, verse 18 onwards, we're going to find out some more about this spirit. And this is where Almighty God is speaking to the church in the New Testament. It says, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things. These things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. I know your works, church, your love, your service, your faith and your patience. And as for your works, they are far more at the last than they were at the first. You're improving, you're growing. There's increase going on in your church. There's a lot. This is a, a season of fruitfulness. Things are going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Everybody say, amen. Does that sound like an on fire going for a church? Absolutely yes. Yeah? yeah. 
Come on, I need some participation this morning in Jesus' name. But is that an on-fire church going on there? Absolutely yes. Faith and joy and patience. They're going on for God. They're growing. They're strong. However, verse 20, there's another spirit at work in the church. And I'm not in any way suggesting that spirit is at work here in Citygate. I'm preaching a message here today. However, I have these few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel. Now in this day, it's not a real person. It's a spirit. It's a mindset. Who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and those who commit adultery along with her, sorry, I've skipped a line, to repent from her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into the great tribulation. This is heavy stuff. Especially for a Sunday morning. I mean, dear God, I brought my friend to church today. and I thought it was going to be, we're talking about flowers and happiness. And now you're talking about prophetesses, false prophets, being thrown into the great tribulation and killing them. It gets worse, listen to this. Unless they repent of their deeds, I will kill her children. Man, now we're on to killing kids. And it gets worse, I will kill her children with death. I don't know how else you kill things. I will kill our children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Can I just make this clear right at the very start? We're not talking about killing people, wiping people out, anything like that. We're talking about the realm of the spirit today. We're dealing with something in the spirit. I've been praying about today. I've been believing God for today. And I'll tell you this, we're going to war in Jesus' name. Not war against people. We are a people of love and joy and peace and patience. But we are against those things that want to bring destruction into the lives of people. Especially when you deal with the spirit of Jezebel. Now, this spirit, and it is a spirit. I'm not saying it is a particular demonic spirit. But it's something that's operating in the realm of the spirit. Wants to get into the hearts and the minds of God's people. And we're just going to spend a few seconds today just going through what are the, the, the character traits of this spirit of uh, Jezebel. Can I say up front, we're not talking about a female person. It's not, it's not female anything. In the Bible, she happened to be a female. But there's been all sorts of extreme sort of doctrines. Oh, there's a female spirit. It's, okay. it's an insubmissive woman. And all these guys who get heavy into religion, it's like, oh, submit, submit, submit. No, the Bible says we're heirs together. And for every man who says their wife has got to submit, I first want to see that man hang on the cross and die for his wife. Yeah? Don't you dare command your wife to submit when your feet are up and you're expecting to her to serve you. No, you go serve her. You serve her. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Don't quote me submission without reading the whole passage that says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and died on the cross for her. So when the husband dies on the cross for the wife, she's got something to submit to. Hello? Come on, guys. This is your opportunity to get through. Okay? And I don't care what your culture says, your culture has got to bow its knee to the written word of God. Amen? 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 Come on, women, I'm setting you free here today. Setting you free in Jesus' name. So, this spirit, and it is a spirit, number one is a spirit of manipulation. Jezebel is a control freak control freak now we know and I've just done a whole evening on the whole thing of, our, of, of all the different types of personality and some of those personalities have some character you know 
traits that they like to be in authority. They like to rule and run, and that's fine. We're talking personality, that's fine. This is not a personality, this is a spirit. This is something that wants to control and manipulate. It has a lust for more at any cost, will do anything it can to achieve what it wants to do. This this person in the Bible was an absolute control freak. Even though Ahab was king, she called the shots. Here we have the king in his chariot. God has moved and he's running home to his wife to say, look what Elijah's done. Look what Elijah's done. You know what he's done? I'm handing this over to you, darling. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Emasculated. No ability to make his own decisions. He'd lived under the thumb for so long. He'd lived under control for so long. Perhaps that's you in your job. Perhaps that's you in your marriage. Perhaps that's you in your family. Perhaps that's you in your household. Control is a deadly thing. You see how God is not in control, he's in authority. And he gives a free will. I hate it when people say, you know, you know, Almighty God, he's in control. God's in control. Amen. No, he's not in control. Control is when God operates independent of the will of man. Authority is when God operates by his word and his power with man. God's not a control freak. If God was in control, there'd be no sickness in the world. If God was in control, there would be no rape. If God was in control, there'd be no racism. If God was in control, there'd be no poverty. But God is not in control. God is not a control freak. And the marks of our enemy is always control. When you lose your will to something that you believe you have no choice. Hello, are you getting this today? Some people are going to get set free in this room because you are under the control of somebody or something which means you are not able to exercise your free will. We're going to war today in Jesus' name. That's the first thing that this spirit is. The second thing is this spirit is independent. Is independent. Even though she was married, she did her own thing. Again, this is male or female. This is not about a personality today. Even though she was married, she did her own thing. She was not submitted into the relationship that she was supposed to be submitted into. She did her own thing. You can find other examples of her in the Bible where where she had people killed off to get a piece of land. Independent, did her own thing. What else? Is she very clearly from the passages we've read, especially the last passage there? She was, it's, it's a spirit of immorality. Immorality. See, these are the marks of the spirit, these are the characteristics of this spirit we're going to deal with today. She built altars to idols. The Bible says, We're to love the Lord your God and Him only. And there he is, the king of Israel. And he's allowing his wife to build altars to idols. She's also, obviously, completely rebellious against authority. Authority which is from God. Today we see this in our generation. You always see it. This is the trait of mankind. I understand that. But... but We see this all over the place, in the streets, in the classrooms, in the TV, on the TV, in families. An absolute rebellion against authority. What else does this spirit do? This spirit has children. may sound, I'm looking at spirits giving birth to spirits. But you understand the principle. This thing will reproduce. Anywhere it goes, it'll have kids. And it's really strong what it says over there in the scripture that we've just read. You've got to kill the children. Again, we're not talking about real kids. But can I say it like this? You've got to kill the kids off before they have a chance to mature. 
There are things that start in someone's life and if you deal with it when it's young, immature, just growing, it's just, a, it's just an experience, it's just a mindset, it's just something that, it's just a conversation, it's just a toehold, you've got to kill it right then, you've got to deal with it, don't let it, don't entertain it, don't feed it, don't clothe it, don't support it, you've got to kill it off. You know what, if, I've had three boys, they've all grown up to a degree, or at least physically, um, <laughs> but you know what, if you, what is the old saying, if you show me a child in those first four years, I'll show you the man. You've got to deal with your kids, this is just parent, you know, parenting, you've got to deal with your kids in the first four years. How you talk around them, how you are around them, how you interact as, as husband and wife, how you, know, how you are. That's when you teach them to say, yes, please, no, thank you, please, ma'am. That's when you teach them to share. That's when you teach them to forgive. That's when you teach them to get up again when they fall over. Don't wait till they're 10, 11, 12, 13. Too late. It's too late. And there are things that go on in the lives of people and in the lives of Christians which should have been killed off when they were kids and they've allowed them to grow up and they're no longer just a little finger hold or a toe hold. They're now a full-on stronghold. Hello, are you getting anything today? They've grown into a stronghold. If they were dealt with as kids, God is really clear. He said, when you find the kids of this spirit, you've got to kill them off. You've got to kill them off. Don't feed them and entertain them. You've got to kill them off and deal with them before they have a chance to grow. Because they, if, if they have a chance to grow, they will absolutely destroy. And that's the next trait of the spirit of Jezebel. It brings destruction. She was a destructive woman. And her main aim in life is to destroy the church and destroy the ministry. This is, this is far more than just a little, a little I'm, I'm going through something. She's out to destroy. She hates the church. She hates the ministry. And will do everything she can to bring death and destruction and to stop the move of God. I mean, here we have, just a few minutes after, a few hours after, the greatest victory that Elijah, three and a half years of drought, the drought is over, I'm dancing in the rain, this is my breakthrough. And one word from this spirit got lodged in his mind, his heart, and it caused him to turn around and run for his life. This is more than a natural encounter. This is an attack of the spirit. One bad report can stop you in your tracks. Undermine your confidence and take away your courage. When it's got the spirit of Jezebel behind it. There you are, you're running towards your life. You're running towards your victory. You're running towards your enemy. You're running towards Goliath. You're running towards the dream wall. We're running towards our dreams. We're running towards one word from this enemy will turn you 180, degree, 180 degrees and cause you to run the other way. I want to talk today about the four signs that the spirit of Jezebel is involved in your life. Number one, intimidation. Intimidation. The first thing I said about this spirit and the characteristics of this spirit is that it is a spirit of manipulation and control. It will threaten to wipe you out. Now, I think it's very interesting. She didn't come in person. Because she knows what Elijah had just done to 850 prophets. She didn't come in person. She sent somebody else to do her dirty work. But all she had the power to do was to threaten. Tomorrow, I'm going to kill you. 
One thing we've got to really understand here today, if the devil had the power to destroy you, he would already have done it. You're still here. <laughs> We're still here. All he's got is a lying mouth. We always sing. We will never stop singing about the victory of the cross and Jesus being raised from the dead. Why? Because it was total. He stripped the enemy. He defeated the enemy. All the enemy is left with is the, uh, is the skill that he has to deceive, to lie, and to manipulate. And here he is in this spirit of manipulation, doing everything he can to intimidate Elijah. Nothing's going to change. This time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. She knew she had no power to kill Elijah. She knew she had no power. You see, we ascribe way too much power and ability to our enemy. But what happens is, if you remember I said, he's after your heart and your mind. So he will threaten, this is a, he, she, will threaten when they feel like they are losing control, they will threaten. Have you ever been around a person like that? Control freak. And when they feel like somebody else is starting to live free, the threats start. The threats start. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to wipe you out. And I want us to understand today, this spirit wants to intimidate you out of your dream. And she almost managed to do it with Elijah. One word and he was off. The intimidation that came in. This is not natural. This is a spirit that causes people to live under the control of something where they have no free will to choose their freedom. What's the second thing? After intimidation. The second thing is isolation. Isolation. Now can I say there's a huge difference between isolation and solitude. There are times when God will call us or where we put ourselves into a place of solitude. And solitude is not isolation away from the issue, the problem, the Goliath, the challenge. It's a setting apart unto our God. Isolation is something very different from solitude. It's a shrinking back. It's when we say, you know what, I can't face people anymore. Uh, it's, it's so sad. Here he is, he's running towards his enemy. He's got his servant with him that they've just been up the mountain. He hears this word they, he starts to run, his servant has to run with him. And then they get to Beersheba and he says, you're staying here. I'm on my own from now. And he goes out into the desert. Isolation will always lead you into a desert. Dry, thirsty place. Isolation is a reaction from fear. From being wounded and being hurt. You go through life, I don't know what the statistics are today, but huge statistics on loneliness. Loneliness, loneliness. Some of that is because of the whole, <coughs> we don't know how to relate anymore because it's all electronic. But the other, other side is isolation. So many hurt people, isolation. Walls go up. Mask goes on, never trusting a man again, never trusting a woman again, never trusting an employer again. I'll turn up for the job, but I'm isolated. I'll turn up, do the job, go home. Isolation. When you're going through attacks, when this spirit 
is attacking your life. And we've got to understand today, this is a spirit. We're going to war today. When you're facing this spirit, it will drive you into isolation. When you're going through that overwhelming desire to isolate, that's when you've got to get back with people. You've got to get back with people. Nobody understands me. Yes, we do. That's a lie of the enemy. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Yes, we do. Nobody's experienced this before. Yes, we have. The enemy will always want to isolate your life. The third thing is this, exhaustion. Exhaustion. Elijah collapsed. That may be a little bit dramatic. He fell asleep under a tree. But he collapsed in the Melfi translation. He just called fire down. The hand of God was upon him. He ran ahead of his enemy faster than a chariot. Can I say he was not tired from running? You don't get tired when you're in your flow. Did you hear that? Now, there's physical tiredness. you got kids. You get tired. We get it. Feeding every two hours, three hours. It's like, I'm going to work. But this is, this is a spirit, right? You're getting this. This is a spirit. It will bring exhaustion. One bad threat completely took the wind out of his sails. Don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's as if the enemy moves in and you get drained. Completely physically drained. When you are weary, that's another good word for it. You start to believe stuff and see stuff that's not real. It's not the way it is. Never make a life-changing decision from a place of exhaustion and weariness. Never. Because it will be unbalanced and everything else that's going on with this spirit. It will be isolated, exhausted and intimidated. One word from God can stir your life again. If this exhaustion is a spiritual thing, then a spiritual breakthrough can deal with it. Did you get that today? It's very quiet in this room. And the fourth, the fourth sign that this spirit is in operation in your life is depression. I don't know, we seem to live in a generation when it's, it's normal to be depressed. Spirit of heaviness. It's not normal for a Christian to labour under this spirit of depression. I'm not talking about extrovert and introvert personalities. Come on, we're not dealing with something natural here today. We're dealing with the spirit of heaviness. Everyone else is rejoicing and you just don't get it. The presence of God is in the place and everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. And you're standing there going, oh, I don't know. When God speaks, his word is alive on the inside. It's a joy. It's a river. This spirit of depression is where the enemy wants to get inside your head. Get the wrong song playing over and over and over and over and over. Get the words of this spirit going, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. Look what it did to Elijah. The man of victory, the man of faith and power. He went and he prayed to God that he would die. I, I just think it's absolutely tragic. The spirit that is at work in our generation. Self-harming all over the place. The greatest you know, statistics of suicide that there's probably ever been. What is it that the enemy has done to get inside the minds and the hearts of God's people? 
Well, this is not natural. This is a spiritual battle. No wonder the Bible says in the end times what's going to deal with the enemy is the spirit of Elijah. Because this is what he dealt with. This was his greatest battle right here. This spirit of Jezebel which wants to manipulate and control, isolate, bring exhaustion and ultimately bring depression. The enemy knows he can't wipe you out. But if he can get you to believe his lies, you'll wipe yourself out. unrealistic fear unrealistic fear it is a spirit of heaviness thank God we have the oil of joy many great people in the Bible struggled with this that they wanted to end it just had enough I've had enough I can't do this anymore I'm not doing this anymore I'm not doing this anymore every one of them God drew near to them he didn't reject them he didn't criticize them. I cannot believe there's one, uh, I, I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel to say it today in, in this one. There is one stream of the church that would even teach if you commit suicide, you are going to hell. I, where does this stuff come from? God draws near to those who are struggling, no matter how it ends up. He draws near. He strengthens. And he restores. So, that's pretty heavy. Heavy revy, Pastor Jay. Man, that's deep. I brought my friend and I thought we were going to have all fun and niceness. And you're dealing with killing kids. Depression. Running away, well, it's because a lot of people deal with this stuff. And today we're going to deal with it in Jesus' name. There is an end of this. This is not a counselling technique today. There's a place for counselling. Talking about this with somebody just yesterday, a long chat about the blessing and the positiveness. There is of just talking to people and praying with people and all of that. But today we're dealing with a spirit that wants to bring destruction into the lives of people. You can't counsel a spirit of Jezebel out of someone's life. You've got to deal with it. So what do I do now? Let me say that. What do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? Well, the first thing we've got to understand is this. This setback with Elijah was not because he'd done something wrong, but because he'd done everything right. That's what stirs up the Jezebel more than anything else. The fact that you're the winner. You're the champion. You've got a dream. You love God. You love God's people. You love God's church. You've got a dream and a vision and a plan and a purpose. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. You're on fire for God. When people are praising God, you're the one jumping. When people are praying, you're the one interceding. When people are fasting, you're the one spending time with God. This is for, this is for people that are on fire for God. And yet the enemy, the lies of the enemy would, would be this. You know what? The enemy's coming because you're the problem. What did you do to get this in your life? Must be sin somewhere. Must be the enemy somewhere. No, it's because you're doing it right that the enemy wants to stop you. He can't stop you, but he can get you to stop you. Wow. You're getting anything out of this today. I mean, this is heavy stuff. In a light kind of way. <laughs> today we're going to Destroy the effects of Jezebel in the lives of people. Amen. Let's see how we're going to do it. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 to 9. All at once, an angel touched Elijah. So here he is, suicidal. I want to go. I've had enough. Can't do this anymore. Running away from the enemy. The whole bit. All at once, an angel came and touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate and drank and then he lay down and fell asleep again and the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat for the journey is too much for you I might say in this state so he got up and he ate and drank again strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights 
One version says, from that one um, food dinner was enough to sustain him for 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. Until he came to Horeb where God lived, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. I'm not going to, you know, that goes into the still small voice, which we're going to get into next week. Four things that we need to do, four or five things, four that I can't remember, um, that we need to do in order to destroy the works of this spirit. Number one, listen up. Everybody say listen up. We've got to listen upwards to the right voices, not downwards to the enemy's voices or our feelings. It's time to tune in to God's word. Listen up. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? The same song playing over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks like they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. How, how can a Christian ever, ever, ever listen to that song? Seriously. Dear God. And a whole load of others. Don't pollute your life. Who are you listening to? Listen to the right voice. Listen to the angel that God's sending. Listen to people of wisdom and integrity and who have God's word on their inside. Listen to people that are going to stand with you and support you. Not somebody say, oh, I know, I know what you're like. I'm running too. <laughs> Let's run together. Let's encourage each other in our defeat. <laughs> no, come on. We've got to be listening to the right voices. Number two, we need to get up. Oh, Pastor Joe, you never seem to get off this stuff about getting up. It must be one of the most powerful things we ever, ever get under our belt. It's the ability to say, you know what? When I fall, I will arise. Though I fall down seven times, I'm getting up an eight times. We're not talking about personality. We're talking about resurrection life on the inside. That says, when I fall, rejoice not over me, oh my enemies. I'm getting up again. I'm not staying down. I refuse to stay in this place. I refuse to stay on my sick bed. I refuse to stay in poverty. I refuse to stay in rejection. I refuse to stay in, in despair. I refuse it. I, I will not lie here while my enemy is putting intimidation on my life. I refuse to. Greater is he that's in me than anything I face in this world. I refuse to lie here in a defeated position. must be one of the most important things that we ever get hold of. And it's not a natural ability. It's a spirit on the inside. No matter how hard it is, when you're lying flat on your back wanting to die, start praying in the Holy Ghost. Start lifting up the name of Jesus. Praise Him. Set your mind on him and get up in Jesus' name. What's the third thing? The third thing is that we need to be nourished. We need to be nourished. Feed yourself, not Jezebel's kids. Stop feeding the problem. And feed the food. Feed on the food that God gives you to eat from. Now the first thing I'll say is we need to eat properly naturally. Naturally. I know when I'm facing stuff and I go through this and I just want it all to end and I just can't go on and oh God, you know what Sharon says? Have you eaten anything? And you know what I say? Well, you cook it, I'll eat it. I know my place, you should know your place. That's just what I say. Is that, is that right? You cook it, I'll eat it. If you don't, I'll just ring for a takeaway. <laughs> but seriously, eating well, eating properly, 
eating properly. I don't know, I'm not going to make a comment on today's society because I don't understand it all. But I wonder if the enemy is trying to get us off. He's done it with e-numbers. Hello? He's done it with junk food. I don't know how else he wants to try and do it. We need nourishment. God is very clear what we're supposed to eat in the Bible and what we're not supposed to eat. Not because of the law, but some things are just not good for you. Some things are just not good for you. If you live a life on shellfish, they are the bottom feeders of the ocean. They're like the hoover. You know what they're there for? To filter out the poo. That's right, isn't it? People, am I right here? Yeah? Yeah, I'm just saying. The odd chili prawn is fantastic. You know what? But that's why we pray. What's my prayer? Who knows my prayer when we eat it, especially when I'm out on the mission field? Thank you, Lord. Kill the bugs. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's what that praying thing is all about. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this, and we thank you for that, and we thank you for all our friends, and all our really no just you're supposed to be eating the mess on the plate. Pray over it. Because the Bible says you can eat anything when it's sanctified through the word of God, thanksgiving, and prayer. That, that's a Bible verse. That's what the, the whole thing of grace is supposed to be all about. It's not a whole thank you thing. It's, I've got to eat this mess. Not Sharon's cooking. Sharon's cooking is not a mess. It's like beautiful. But we got to eat properly. we got to eat properly. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've got to eat properly. Amen. See, I think the whole spirit of, of Jezebel is at work in a generation. That's why we need the spirit of Elijah in the last generation. That's, the, that's what the Word of God says. Isn't it interesting we seem to have so much food issues? Oh, hello? And it's not because we're doing something wrong, it's because we're doing something right. The churches are rising and shining and so the enemy is saying, you know what? I want to wipe out the people. That's what the enemy is doing. So we've got to eat properly. Proper food, proper drink. Amen. That includes a glass of wine. Good preaching. Thank you very much. We've also got to eat spiritually. Eat spiritually. The word and prayer, the word and prayer, the word and prayer. When you've eaten and drunk the word and prayer, go and do it again. He ate and drunk and fell asleep. So his first food didn't do it. It was the start. Oh, Pastor Jay, I prayed about it. I said, yeah, we'll pray again. Pray again. Pray again. Go again. He only had to do it twice. Perhaps you have to do it four times. Perhaps you have to do it a dozen times. Perhaps you have to do it for six months. Keep eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking, eating and drinking. When I'm in a challenging season, I need to be physically fit and spiritually fit. Physically fit and spiritually fit. I'm sure there's a rap in there somewhere. Number four. Physically fit, physically fit. Isn't that right? Is that right? Is that right? Madagascar, come on. King Junior. Oh, man. Awesome. What? You never seen Madagascar? <laughs> King Julian, stay off of my feet. I'm serious, man. That's hilarious. Number four, everybody say number four. Get moving. Let's have the band up right now, shall we? Get moving. Get moving. Get moving. He had to start running again. He had to start going again. He'd been standing still. He'd been going backwards. But now he had to go to the mountain of God. There's so much we could talk about that. And we're going to be talking about the mountain of God next week. It's time to strike camp. Don't camp in the valley of tears. Don't camp in the valley of death. The Bible says we pass through these places. Don't camp in the valley of hopelessness, fear, unforgiveness. Don't camp in these areas, there has to be forward movement towards the person of God. The angel said, come on, get moving. The journey, the journey's going to be a 
a tough journey, not hard, not hard. He, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But you're not going to do this journey just by skipping along. You need to feed to run your race. But it's time to get moving. It's time to get moving. It's time to get moving. We need to hear God. We need to get up. We need to feed up. And we need to get moving. Today we're going to get moving in this place. And as a result of today, perhaps some people are going to go home and have to do something. Make a phone call. Start doing something they hadn't done before. You know, there's all sorts of telltale signs that people stop. They stop caring about their appearance. They stop caring about their environment. Stop hoovering. All sorts of signals, all sorts of signs where people are just, they're starting to run in the opposite direction. You've got to get moving again. Perhaps it means you need to clean your kitchen, clean your car. You can clean mine while you're at it as well, please. I just don't seem to have a chance. While you're at it, clean Sharon's and Michael's as well. You just got to get moving. Perhaps, and this is no reflection on anybody, perhaps it's a, you know what, I'm not just going to drag into church half an hour late. I'm going to get moving on purpose. I'm going to stir something up on the inside and not being casual about everything. I'm going to start to run with purpose. On purpose. For purpose. Put some aggression. Put some stuff in my life. Stop lying down under the bush. But the fifth one, and this is where we're going to really see some stuff today, is Elijah had to go. Now I know, I understand he had to go and he had to hear the still small voice and we'll deal with all that next week. And what God spoke to him was this. I want you to lay hands on somebody who's going to kill Jezebel. I want you to raise up a king. It's not his job, Elijah, to kill Jezebel. It was the one he raised up. He had to lay hands on Elisha as a replacement prophet. And he had to lay hands on uh, Jehu as the next king to replace Ahab. There had to be a change of authority in the nation. He was commanded to anoint a new king. I want to declare this in City Gate Church. It's time for the kings to arise under a new anointing to deal with some stuff in a generation that needs to be dealt with. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Elijah didn't kill this thing. He exposed it. It wanted to kill him, but it was the king who dealt with it. Now, if you were to turn, we haven't got time today, but I will tell you what happens over in 2 Kings chapter 9. After Elijah has gone up to heaven, Elisha is now... Um, the prophet Ahab has died and Jezebel is left and this new king is on his horse and he's heading for Jezebel he's going there he knows where he's going she's not staying on this planet one more minute now I'm in authority he's on his horse the Bible says he drives he rides like a wild man Oh, that there can be some wild men in the body of Christ again. Oh, that there can be some people that are not so nice that they're not casting out demons. Oh, that they're not so nice that they're just allowing stuff in their life and in their society and in their, and in their marriage and in their kids and in their finances and in their... Oh, that they're, that they're, just, they're just so nice. But there will be some wild men, male and female, in the body of Christ again. Men that say, come on, rise and shine for your light has come. Devil, take your hands off of God's property. Trampling on serpents and scorpions. Not becoming nasty, aggressive people, but people who are, who are on fire. 
and Elijah, sorry, and um, uh, Jesus on his horse and he's heading for Jezebel and she's told that he's coming. And so she starts to paint herself all up and make herself sexually attractive. I got nothing wrong with makeup. I'm not, but please wear some. It helps everybody, amen? <laughs> but there's a difference when there's a seductive spirit. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Come to bed with me, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. That attention grabbing thing. One thing to look really beautiful. It's another thing to be manipulative. You with me? I used to wear makeup. I should know. <laughs> oh man, I've lost half of you now, haven't you? Oh, no, that's hilarious. In my teenage years, long time ago. But here she is, she dolls herself up, she makes herself look stunning. Why? Because she thinks, wow, this guy's coming to kill me. All I've got left is my manipulation. And I'm going to do everything I can to try to get into his mind or into his life. We are in a generation where the enemy wants to sexually control our generation. That's pretty strong stuff here this morning, yeah? Are you, but you're getting it. Once there is so much perversion around, we got to know why it's there. It's there to wreck the church. Not wreck that which is already wrecked. Hello? I'm very aware in this room people will be struggling with this. The statistics are the same in the church as they are outside the church, so we know. And here she is, and she's thinking, if I can just manipulate this one. I couldn't get Elijah. I made him flee, but he came back. But now there's the king that's here to wipe me out. I'm going to try to manipulate him. I'm going to try to control him. And you know who she's surrounded with? The Bible says she's surrounded by... Um, a a eunuchs. Well, I come to church and we talk about everything today, haven't we? Eunuchs, emasculated men. And I'm not making a male or female statement here, but if you hang around this spirit, you're going to become unproductive and impotent. Not producing anything from your life. No fruit. No great offspring. And here they are and they're around her. To, you know, to protect her and to be the bodyguards. Man, you've got to keep away from Jezebel. Some people ask themselves, how did I ever end up like this? Just nothing. Under a bush, depressed, intimidated. It's because you were doing something right. But the enemy's come and he's tried to control your life. But today's a day of freedom in Jesus' name. Today's a day of freedom. We're going to war in this place. So up comes the king, and I love this. And she's painted there, and she's doing her stuff on the balcony. And he starts to shout up, is anybody with me? Is anybody going to stand for what's right? Is anyone on the Lord's side? Is anyone on my side today? And these guys who had been completely consumed, controlled, restricted, impotent, emasculated, something out of Jehu's mouth got on them. I don't care how much the enemy's been able to wipe you out, something can come upon your life and cause you to rise again, cause you to stir again, cause you to run again, cause you to be aggressive again. And these eunuchs around, around this woman, they sort of, some, they come to their senses. Something stirs in them. And I don't know what conversation goes on, but they grab Jezebel and they throw her over the balcony. And I'm sorry, this is a family show, but this is what it's. Uh, and she falls down, she hits the ground. The Bible says blood splatters everywhere. Up comes Jehu and he, dry, and he rides all over the corpse. 
You know what? You can't play with this stuff. You've got to kill it off. You've got to destroy it. You can't play. You can't play with control and manipulation. It'll kill you. You can't play with isolation. It'll kill you. You can't play with rejection. You can't play with rejection. You can't play with, with um, a depression. These things are spiritual attacks. And I believe God's answer in the end times is a church that rises up in the spirit of Elijah. And it's time for the kings to arise in Jesus' name. Did you get anything out of that this morning?